Welcome to Grace Extended, a podcast of Grace Church in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Today is part two of our series on the history of Grace Church. This year we are celebrating our 75th anniversary. Today, Pastor Aaron and I welcome former senior pastors of Grace Church, Bob Bakke, senior pastor from 1986 to 1993, Lloyd Syverson, senior pastor and associate pastor from 1995 to 2012, and Rob Miner, senior pastor from 2006 to 2016. We asked them, what was Grace Church like in years past? What unique opportunities and challenges did the church face during their time here? And finally, we ask, if you had one thing to say to Grace Church today, what would it be? It's a refreshing look into the past and future today. Let's get started. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to go around and have everybody do their own introduction. So if you could give us your name, years you served, where you are now, and a favorite memory. And we're going to start with uh, Bob Baki. So go ahead, uh, Pastor Baki, take it away. Oh, well, thanks, Steve. Uh, I came to, to uh, Ridgewood in 1986. I was coming from a small church, a rural church in Woodstock, Connecticut. Uh, and I was coming back to the New York metropolitan area. My family were New Yorkers. And I was uh, there for uh, seven years. So I left in 1993 um, and headed out to Minnesota. I didn't, we didn't know anybody in Minnesota. So it was a really a, a call of the Lord to leave uh, Ridgewood. I didn't want to leave Ridgewood, really. Mm. I didn't want to leave the New York metropolitan area. But we just felt the real call of the Lord out there to the Evangelical Free Church of America headquarters, where I spent 12 years as one of the executive directors there. So uh, I am presently doing what I left Ridgewood to do, and that is mobilize prayer for spiritual awakening, uh, both domestically and internationally. But I also pastor a wonderful church, um, and it's here in the Minneapolis area, Bloomington, Minnesota, and the church is called Hillside Church. And I've been here, I uh, can't believe it, but I've been here for 15 years. Uh, wow. So uh, I, what I didn't think I would ever be able to say is that I, I live in I'm a Minnesotan uh, more, than a, more than an Easterner now. So that's, my, I, I'm married to Sally still. Uh, she, she kept me. <laughs> and I have um, I have four kids and uh, nine grandchildren. So wow, congratulations! Uh, it's been a great journey. That's great. Um, any favorite memory that stands out from Grace? Well, I mean Ridgewood. We just loved Ridgewood, and we came to Ridgewood from Camp of the Woods. Uh, we met the the uh, pulpit committee up at uh, a meeting at, at Camp of the Woods. Uh, they heard me speak, and then. They came after me, but Dave Marshall was still there for a year. Uh, and my, my, during my first year, Dave Marshall, I, I succeeded him. I think he was there for 38 years, in fact. Yeah. And I just found the place full of sweet souls. Dave Marshall was a sweet soul, praying people, missions-minded, who loved us. And it was uh, it was marvelous. So great memories. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, moving on to... The next pastor, Pastor Lloyd. Yeah, uh, this is great being part of this. But um, I came to uh, to Grace Church in 1995, and I was there until 2012, so a little over 17 years uh, I was there. Uh, now, after 11 years, uh, I moved into an associate role. It was kind of unusual. Um uh, transition, but um, it was um, you know, it was it was a, a good thing for me, and I th- and in the consultation with the elders, and uh, so I uh, went into an associate role uh, my last six years uh, working with with Rob. Um, now, currently, I'm at uh, Greenwich Baptist Church in Greenwich, Connecticut, and again, like you said, Bob, hard to believe it's. I'll be starting my 10th year uh, wow. this September. So it's, uh, it's just gone uh, so fast, but it's um, yeah, it's been uh, uh, an interesting uh, journey here. 
it's it's a it's a very small church, and I guess I wasn't as prepared for the dynamics of of a small church as I as I probably should have been. But uh, but some good things happening, and um, uh, we have four kids also. In fact, Aaron was six years old when we when we came to uh, to Grace Church, wow. and we have ten grandchildren. So uh, it's uh, as the, you guys, other guys know, who are grandparents. It's it's pretty awesome. Right. So, uh, but yeah, and that's that's my story. A favorite memory. Uh, to single anything out, um, I, I guess I, I can't think of a single event, but just raising our family in, uh, in that area. We, we lived in Midland Park and uh, all four of our boys uh, you know, went through the Midland Park schools and it was just a great experience. We had some, some great friends. Um, and in fact, you know, now that I say that, one memory that uh, stands out for me is uh, one of uh, Aaron's buddies who went to school with and played ball with. His dad was the chief of police in Hohokus, mm -hmm. New Jersey, and um, had a number of opportunities to kind of share with him. We spent a lot of time at ball games and different <laughs> places like that. But um, he eventually came to, uh, uh, we, we were running in the alpha course at our church for a while, and he came to the alpha course. And um, he started coming to church. And then he went through, he didn't come to the Lord during that, but he went through it a second time. And, um, and then Billy Graham came to, um, to Central Park, one of his last events. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it wasn't Central Park. It was Flushing Meadows. It was in Queens. And uh, we brought a bunch of people and, and our buddies, Greg was his name. He came. And uh, at that event, he told me he, uh, he, committed, he committed his life to Christ. So it was pretty cool. And that, now he's down in Florida. He sent me a video of him being baptized down there. It's, it's, so that's, that's one memory that probably, you know, that probably does stand out above all, about all the others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, all right. So then moving on to next senior pastor of Grace Church, uh, Pastor Rob Miner. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. And thanks, guys, for putting this together. It's great to see everyone. Um, I uh, served from to, at Grace Church for 11 years from uh, the beginning of 06 uh, through December of um, 16, 2016. And I'm uh, now retired. We moved to South Carolina initially. Uh, but um, with all of our kids, we have four kids as well. I don't know what there is about pastors and four kids, but we've got four kids and all of their kids are in Raleigh, Durham area. So uh, we've got uh, 10 grandchildren, one of which is in heaven and nine that are here. And um, so we are enjoying being with 19 of our family members all together, kind of in the same same radius. Uh, and we're now uh, attending a church in the area. And Cindy and I are greeters at the 11 o'clock service on the inside door, and uh, <laughs> which we're definitely enjoying uh, kind of getting on the other side of things. Uh, but it's been uh, a real blessing. I've got a lot of good memories of Grace Church. Um, I, I, I think working with Lloyd is, is one of my best memories because I really uh, learned a lot from him and I enjoyed our time together. Uh, and also, we we uh, were doing what we call relational mission trips. Where we go back to the same place continually. And uh, I think one of my, my fondest memories was, was our trips to Costa Rica uh, with Susan Grosser and uh, Saurita Batista. And, and so I, I enjoy those uh, as well. And as far as locally, one of the uh, my favorite things that we did was uh, we call it Be the Church Sunday, where we would... Um, go serve our community on Sundays and, and really communicate a, I think, a strong message to the congregation as well as to uh, the Ridgewood area that church is about being a, a believer is about a whole lot more than sitting at a pew on a Sunday morning, but it's about serving others. And so uh, it was a, it was a great 11 years and lots of wonderful memories. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Rob. Um, and 
Pastor Aaron, uh, I think most people at Grace Church know you, but for the people that are new, or just to give you now some little like juxtaposition here, um, <laughs> your turn. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I was just thinking as I was sitting here that I think between the four of us, I'm estimating there's somewhere about 120 to 130 years of pastoral ministry. And I have five of them. I count for five of them. So I plan on doing mostly listening and not much talking on this call. And that's one of the selfish reasons why I wanted to have it is just to kind of hear from you guys. But um, yeah, I uh, came on staff in 2015. So I uh, graduated college 2010, began working uh, with a firm on Wall Street and finance, had no inkling towards ministry, did not um, anticipate that's the direction it was going to go. Uh, but over the course of uh, those years, uh, God made it pretty clear. And uh, and so, yeah, Rob kind of came in with my dad and then kind of went out with me. We kind of bookended his time here uh, at Grace. And it really was a, uh, a really great transition for the church with Rob uh, just being very I, you know, knew nothing, still don't know that, know that much, but just being very humble, supportive, you know, really him orchestrating that idea and driving it forward. And uh, our church just kind of, again, humbly submitting to now a 28-year-old senior pastor when I began senior pastor in uh, 2017. And uh, just to be able to see even in a short time, just how God really just blazed that trail um, all the way through. And so, um, I, I did get the memo that you're supposed to have four kids as the uh, as the <laughs> senior pastor of Grace Church. So I followed through on that. Um, with a, we have a six year old who turns seven tomorrow. Uh, wow. Well, tomorrow and the day we're recording this, uh, a four year old daughter and then two year old twins. And so wow. we got the two for one to get the four uh, to that quota. Um, and so yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been great. And you know, when I think about fa- favorite memory, obviously. Um, as my dad said, you know, I came, I was six years old coming in. So my memories are, are lifelong here. And so I'll, I'd say it, it's a recurring memory, but it's a favorite moment of mine each year is the Christmas Eve service here at Grace Church. You know, in a lot of ways, it hasn't changed since 1995. I think just kept a lot of those same components with the candlelight ending, singing Silent Night. And now even with my oldest son being the age that I was when I came and I was starting to experience that service now with him has been pretty, pretty special. So that, that just whole Advent season, Christmas Eve, uh, is, is kind of always just in my mind his favorite memory from, from a kid up till now. So I'll end with that. Great. So we have everybody here. We've introduced ourselves. Our, our questions are arranged generally in three parts. Part one is a lot of, is a little bit a small part about why it's important to focus or reasons reasons why it's important to focus on the history of your local church, why or why not. Part two is going to be about what it was like to carry out a gospel centered vision in northern New Jersey area, and part three is going to be about uh, how what what are some messages to equip Grace Church going forward. So we're going to start with part one. And uh, the question is, uh, Pastor Bob, when you came on and began serving as senior pastor, what um, what things about the history of, of the church stood out to you as you began to learn about it? Well, a, a couple of things, I think, were were obvious. Um, I mentioned that the, the, gospel, uh, that the church was full of just the, the sweetest souls, and they were praying people. Uh, obviously, it was a reflection of Dave Marshall as well, but also his—he he was just grounded in this in the uh, scriptures. You know, he had the gospel, so there wasn't any. He—he uh, um, he was in the scriptures. I, mm-hmm. I, I guess I, mm-hmm. so. The scriptures, uh, the prayer life of the church, uh, the missions-mindedness of the church. Uh, I was. Uh, immediately impressed with the missions mindedness of the church and and to see it uh, grow in fact we i think it was a 300 percent growth over the seven years i was there and they were just excited to do that um so those those things stood out to me plus um the the billy graham crusades uh, you you know 
Lloyd mentioned the, the, the Flushing Meadow, but we were also involved in the Northern New Jersey uh, Crusades, but also the day in Central Park. And I was the, the prayer chairman for, for those, um, those Crusades. And um, Grace Church was the number one giving church per capita uh, throughout the entire New York metropolitan area toward those wow. Crusades. I don't think people realize that even to this day. Wow. Um, but we were so generous uh, to that, and we had uh, numbers of our people in key positions. Uh, so not only were they missions-minded, they were, well, they were locally missions-minded as well when it came to uh, to such uh, um, to such endeavors as that. Wow. That makes sense. Yo, absolutely, yeah. that makes sense. Oh, one more thing. Uh, one more thing <laughs> too, um, and we'll probably get. Uh, to some of the the challenges of of doing ministry in that area, uh, and there were significant challenges when uh, back in the 80s, hmm. uh, they became uh, really too uh, one of the prayer centers of the New York metropolitan area. Uh, they were uh, Grace Church was looked to. Uh, we held, for example, a, a major uh, concert of prayer, and the first one in the uh, one of the first ones in the New York metropolitan area, and. The, we packed the place out with like five or 600 people in standing room and we mm. prayed for three hours and the place I think was going to uh, be lit on fire by the yeah. power of the spirit. So mm. there were, there were wonderful moments like that where they were just willing to lead that way. And I was so grateful for it. Where did that concert of prayer take place here at Grace church? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, wow. um, I, I, I I can't remember the exact um, uh, capacity of Grace Church. Uh, uh, back it's a little in lower the, than that, I think. Yeah, it <laughs> is lower than that. Uh, but we were we were standing room only, wow. standing yeah. room in the balconies. Uh, yeah. People were out in the in the uh, hallways in the back and mm. squeezing in. And we had uh, the choir was there and saying. And uh, anyway, it was it was an amazing night, and they were more than willing to do it and do anything like it. Uh, for the sake of the gospel. Wow. Uh, Lloyd or Rob, anything you want to add about uh, things you uh, knew about the history of the church that stood out to you when you became senior pastor? Hey, Rob, Rob, would you mind going uh, next? Because I just got a message that my battery's low, so I had to go get my power okay. cord. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I think one thing that really jumped out at me was the longevity of Pastor Marshall. Uh, just the effect that that has when when someone has a ministry of what, what was it 35 years or something like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and uh, and and so that that to me was uh, pretty significant um, and then I had uh, learned about the preaching and the teaching ministry and as Bob had mentioned uh, uh, how Pastor Marshall was so tethered to the word. But then I also understand Bob was, and I know Lloyd was, and, and Aaron. So that is something that I think is, I believe, fundamental in why God has blessed Grace Church uh, for so many years, uh, because the church has really, really uh, held on to the integrity of Scripture, regardless of what was going on in society, regardless of the cultural arc. Uh, scripture was always very central uh, to Grace Church. But also, um, as was mentioned, uh, Grace Church had a and has a, a real focus on not only growing internally, but reaching outwardly. And, uh, and there was the first thing one would notice was the, the missions and you walk in. I remember when I first walked in, the wall was uh, filled with pictures of all the missionaries. And I was really astounded uh, at a church that size, filling an entire wall of missionaries whom they supported. Mm. And that just communicated so much to me because that told me that uh, we're not uh, a church which is um, introspective to the point of neglecting uh, reaching out for the gospel. And, and, and we, we've seen that throughout the years. Uh, and and um, so those, those, I think, were probably the three markers for me uh, that uh, helped uh, shape my perspective of grace uh, when I got there. Yeah, that's good. And uh, Pastor Lloyd, did you have something to say about this too? 
Yeah, I mean, I would just uh, echo what you guys have said. Um, <clears throat> the, um, just a couple, of course, the missions, uh, the evangelical um, history of the church with Larry McGill, Dave Marshall, and even the fact that Larry McGill planted several churches in that area. Again, strong uh, evangelical churches. So that was good um, uh, to know. And uh, I think that the, what, what was different for me in this church than my, the church I came from was the diversity of people in terms of the different denominations they came from. Mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 in my previous church, I didn't have a whole lot of people that came out of mainline denominations. Yet I noticed we, we had a number of that did here. And yet they um, they were you know very evangelical mainline people, but so that was that was uh, that that was uh, I enjoyed that. I think that diversity really was was good for us. So even on our elder board, we had some guys who came out of different backgrounds um, at the time. And um, another thing that was very strong when I came was it was a very rich traditional music history. There was uh, just uh, some outstanding musicians. In fact, the choir, the the our, our music director, worship director, when I came, choir director Glenn Copenin, he was um, on uh, on staff at Nyack College, and uh, you know, just outstanding uh, musician. And um, Terry Alnor uh, on, on on organ. So we just had some uh, very rich and strong musical. Um, heritage too. And uh, Pastor Aaron, you can attest to that question too, or answer that question too. Um, but I also want um, to pose this next question to uh, Pastor Aaron, because uh, it kind of goes to the purpose behind this panel is, um, Pastor Aaron, is it important uh, for any church, for uh, both pastors and congregants to understand its history? And uh why do you think so? And what happens if you disregard the history? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, every church, just like every person has a story, right, that they're kind of rooted in. And the more you kind of understand the story in the context of somebody's story, the more you get to know them and can understand them and then help reach them. And I think there's the same for a church of knowing that Every church has a certain DNA, even though pastors might change, people might change that, but there tends to be something that does travel across time. And I think just hearing you guys answer those questions, um, that question in particular attests to that because my answer would be the same in terms of the, the first two things that I kind of wrote down as I was processing some thoughts was the commitment to theological conviction from the Bible as your primary source of authority, and then your commitment to missions, you know, we're like my bullet point one and two, and to see that just travel throughout. And then, um, you know, we had a newcomer's lunch this past May, we've had several uh, new families start coming during, during the pandemic. And we asked this question, what just drew you initially to grace? I said, we're not looking for a pat on the back. We're just interested of like, you know, why, why have you kind of continued coming? And then and the two things that they had said was uh, expositional preaching and, and the, the commitment to that, that they were drawn to. And then second was the, the warmth of the community, right? Like, you know, uh, Pastor Bach, you said just sweet souls, right? Just like yeah. something when you walk into the room and there's that, you, you almost can't articulate it, but there's a sense of warmth, a sense of a welcoming atmosphere. And so, uh, you know, just having kind of that, uh, DNA is helpful to understand to then leverage, you know, where is the gifting of this church and how can we kind of maximize that? Um, you know, but then as Paul writes in first Corinthians 10, like we also want to be aware of the past for good and, you know, for also to avoid some things, you know, that maybe had been, uh, challenges that they, you know, had been faced before. And, uh, we, if we know that it just helps us better in the present as well as, you know, where has God been fruitful around here that we can, uh, you know, just, again, leverage and tap into as well. So I, I know one one memory I've had regarding the history was, you know, you, you walk into a church attic and you don't know what you're going to find, right? Like, there, you know, there's there's all kinds of, of, of gems up, up there and, and amongst other things. And one of the church attics is, I think it, was, it used to be the balcony of the old sanctuary that now is the nursery wing, you know, before the main sanctuary was built in the 60s. Um, the original balcony, the original church is now an attic space. And I found a bin of annual reports from the 1970s. 
And it was just such a like awesome time to be able to just like flip through those and like what are the things that they're talking about? What was Pastor Marshall writing in his letter to the congregation as part of the annual report? What things were on top of his mind? And, you know, so you kind of get this perspective of what was things, quote unquote, you know, what were things like back then? But then also getting to the end and realizing there's nothing new under the sun. And the more things change, the more things stay the same, especially when it comes to the core of the local church and what we're trying to do here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think understanding history and for our church now to just go down memory lane of 75 years of church history is, you know, I think will be very fruitful for, for our congregation. So for that, we're going to move into part two. So part two is... Um, Unique is the unique challenges or opportunities you found in carrying out a gospel-centered vision in Ridgewood and also uh, North Jersey. So, Pastor Lloyd, um, what are some unique challenges you found in carrying out a gospel-centered vision uh, in the Ridgewood area? Well, I, I would say just the whole Northeast to me. You know, I've I've been in the Northeast my whole life, basically the Metro New York area. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up on Staten Island, so I was just south of Manhattan, and I was on Long Island for 14 years at a church there, so I was east of the island. Uh, Ridgewood uh, for 17, so I was west of the island. Now I'm north of Manhattan, so I'm, the walls are going to fall any day now. I've been, uh, I've been marching around for all these years. But um, I, I just feel like the Northeast, again, I haven't been to every part of the country, and I understand there are other parts of the country that are very spiritually resistant but to me the northeast is just a tough tough area to be in and uh you know i I hear rob what you just said about you know jd Greer. we got 10 11 campuses you know and this and you just don't see that up here that that just and and i really you know again this is my opinion I was reading one time in the book of revelation uh the church seven churches the church at pergamum i think it is uh, where the Lord says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne and uh, where Satan lives. He actually uses that term. And he doesn't say that to the other churches. And I, I wondered, is there, was there something about that city that just had a, a uniquely demonic <laughs> oppression over it? And quite honestly, I, I really feel that way about the Northeast. I feel like there's something here that is just... Um, it's it's different, and, and but at the same time, that's why I want to be here, because um, I feel like man, this is where the greatest need is. So, in fact, I I still carry it. I still use a day timer. Sorry about that. I'm old school, but uh, wow. what's what's in, that? Uh, <laughs> in my day timer, I carry this little card that has a quote on it that I I wrote when I was at my my first church. I hand wrote it, and I still carry it. And it's about a, a shoe company that sends two, uh, two salesmen out to the heart of Africa. And one of them sends a message back and says, hey, recall me immediately. No sales possibilities here. Uh, nobody wears shoes. And the other guy sends a, a, a report back saying, um, uh, send more shoes immediately. Uh, every, a market potential unlimited. Everyone is barefooted. And, and I thought, that's how I view the Northeast. I think, man, this is where I want to be. This is where, um, this is where the need is. And uh, so, so that's, uh, I think that's been challenged, just the area in general. But um, it, specifically Grace Church, I think when I first came, uh, Don Bubna, who, Bob, you may remember Don, he, he was sort of an interim between you and you and I. And uh, he was from uh, Lions Seminary, Christian Missionary Alliance. He was one of their national guys. Good, good guy. And uh, but um, uh, he 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 shared with me some reports that the church had had from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And he said every report said the church is strong in worship, strong in fellowship, weak in evangelism or outreach, local outreach. And then a decade later, the report was strong worship, strong fellowship, weak in in local evangelism. Then there was another one that came out in the 90s that said the same thing. So I thought, man, we, we, 
we just got need to reach our community. So we tried to a number of things to make the church more outward focused. And um, it, it was a little more challenging than I, than I thought. Like, for example, one, one of the leaders, I, I, I said, we really need to reach our community. And he said, well, isn't the purpose of the church to build up believers? And I said, yeah, it is. But build up believers to do what? I mean, I think we want to build believers up to reach, to make disciples, to reach our community, not to kind of walk around and flex for each other and, you know, show how, you know, uh, uh, fit we are. But in fact, Joe Aldrich, he has a quote that says, uh, lifestyle evangelism, he says, uh, God's called us to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. And I kind of have, I said, man, we we really want to get out. So th- there was, there was, um, some resistance to that. And, and in fact, one of the, the strong missions in the church, somebody actually said to me, um, they said, well, maybe God has called our church to reach the world, not our local community. And I thought, Ooh. I said, man, it's not uh, Jerusalem or ends of the earth. It's, it's all of them. So, so that, that, that was a, that was a challenge, but we, we made some progress in there. Um, and, um, but it, it, uh, and I, I'm just thrilled to see what's going on now, and to see how the, it just feels like the the church is really uh, impacting the community as well as the world. So I appreciate you sharing that. That's really great to know that 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 trend. And I think as a church member, I mean, I think that's that's one of the hardest things to do to maybe just, I don't know. I, I, again, I haven't lived anywhere except the Northeast either, but evangelism is kind of, uh, one of those tough things that you want to be always, um, you know, trusting the Lord more in, um, and growing in that way in your church. I appreciate that. Um, and also on, on this topic that I'll post to everybody, um, and Lloyd kind of, um, spoke to this a little bit. Um, were there any, or what were some of the, this is for everybody. I don't know. I'm not really posing this to anybody in particular. Um, thinking back on your time as senior pastor, um, what were some of the dominant cultural or theological controversies or tensions that um, existed while you pastored at Grace? And um, how did you, um, how did you pastor the congregation through that time? Pastor Baki, you mentioned, you teased something earlier about the 80s in, in Richwood. That'd be, I don't know if you remember what, 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 what you were thinking about, but it's good to hear more about that. Well, uh, when I, of course, when you follow a guy who's been there, I think he was there 38 years, hmm. uh, two years with, um, uh, you know, as it was founded. And then then I think he came, then he was there until 76, I mean, 86. But when you when you follow a guy like that, um, it it takes you about four or five years to uh, for the church to actually feel like <laughs> you're pastoring it. Yeah. Um, but the the average age had grown older, so the evangelical population of the region was growing older. The post-war generation was beginning to uh, to shrink. The church itself had shrunk from its heights of uh, you know the 400s and attendance etc down to the lower 200s i think it was averaging like a 210 or something when i came the drug issues were starting to pop up so you know family those are related family issues even in the suburbs and the wealthy suburbs that would uh, include uh, most uh, much of bergen county Uh, the churches were beginning to die um, you know, the strong churches of the, the 60s and the 70s were had peaked and they were all they're all starting to to fail. Um, along with that is sort of the wealth and privilege um, of the region, uh, kids with lots of expendable income um, and all kinds of things that are available to them. And yet fathers and mothers, very, very busy fathers, the commuting life. Uh, no margin in their lives, you know, for commuting uh, back and forth to the city. So many of the people who were who were in the region, uh, who uh, 
uh, didn't grow up uh, per se in the region, didn't want to be in the region long term. You know, they wanted to go somewhere <laughs> uh, uh, where they might get some margin out of life, uh, but they knew that they had to be there for a, for a season because of their careers, whether it be in, in finance or elsewhere. And that, that includes uh, foreigners as well, because we had a um, ministry to the, the Japanese. Um, but then there was New York. New York was in decline. Uh, New York was a mess. New York City was a, an absolute mess. Times Square was 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 trash. Um, it was it was full of porn theaters. Um, it was the the trains were full of graffiti. It was a dirty place. You know, today it's Disneyland, uh, yeah. but but back in the eighties it was not. So the whole sense of decline in the region uh, colored how ministry was 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 viewed and how ministry was being done. Um, so uh, obviously, in in such a in such an environment, uh, when the prayer movement was born, there was there was uh, there was great longing for a new work of God, and uh, that prayer movement still goes on. But it um, all of that colored how uh, ministry had to be done, uh, not only in in the greater New York area, but in Ridgewood in specific. How did you adjust your ministry for for those for those challenges? Uh, well, you adjust it by by simplifying, uh, right? I mean, you you stay on that which which the the scripture the scriptures uh, missions uh, the pursuit of God, um, but also um, uh, you know people who were who had grown up, and I think this has to do with some of the the mainline people who started showing up uh, or the, from various uh, denominations in their backgrounds, uh, their denominations were dying. They were losing uh, the scriptures in their design, uh, in their, uh, in their uh, fellowships. They were, uh, they saw what was happening among the bishops and, and the, and so on with regard to, to truth. Um, um, missions was dying uh, worldwide, but, you know, you focus in on those those simple elements of the, and worship as well, and focus in on. I, I don't know whether they had small groups before I came, um, but we started small groups, um, and uh, the uh, and I, I don't know, because I was in my thirties, um, it attracted people in their thirties with young kids, and we started laying a laying a base for uh, you know for people who didn't have anywhere else to go and. And um, they found each other. Uh, so, uh, you know, over the course of five years, the the our elder board went from averaging in you know maybe fifty eight years old to forty four years old. Um, so it, it dropped uh, you know considerably. So, how did I adjust? I don't know. I, it was just just a simple simple church, I think. Interesting. Really cool. And then, Rob, anything stand out to you in terms of um, challenges, whether it be challenges having a gospel-centered vision or theological controversies or cultural shifts during your time here? Yeah. Well, I, as I was pondering these questions, I was thinking about <clears throat> oftentimes unique challenges bring about uh, nice opportunities. And, and for example... Uh, and and I I'm the only I guess I'm the only non-New Englander there, uh, yeah. but we lived in uh, Boston for a few years. But other than that, this was our first time ever uh, into this area of the country, and and it it definitely is is quite quite a transition uh, coming up uh, from uh, Wheaton, Illinois, and Texas, and where the places that we had lived. Um, but people are the same. Uh, wherever you go, they have the same hurts, they have the same heartaches, they have the same needs, the same desires. And and so certainly in our area up there, uh, there was a lot of brokenness. Uh, Ridgewood is a very wealthy area, as we all realize, yet uh, within that, that wealth, there are a lot of broken marriages, there are a lot of uh, 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 dysfunctional families. And, and one thing that uh, we did, um, Lloyd and I did when we were there, is uh, began the unstuck ministry, and so that that 
was a challenge with the brokenness there, yet I believe that this ministry um, was presented some of the greatest opportunities we've had to reach broken people. And uh, and so I, I really saw God uh, uh, bless that. And then I think the other thing is that uh, just seven miles from our church is Patterson, New Jersey. And so you could not find a more stark difference between um, the the lifestyle that we were immersed in as far as in our, our area and then in Patterson. And, and to be able to, to have a uh, relationship with Star of Hope Ministries, and I think that was very significant, uh, that created some, I believe, real opportunities for service to be able to um, reach people that God has such a heart for, and that is the poor and uh, those that are really in need. And that was one of uh, my great desires when I first got there. I prayed for uh, more economic diversity in the church, and I prayed for more ethnic diversity. Uh, and and uh, we saw God start to work, work in that. And uh, so those, as far as community goes, those are challenges and opportunities. I think there were some some challenges that we faced in the church with itself because all churches, like Aaron says, have the DNA, they have a culture, and uh, uh, certainly uh, there had been some some worship issues over the years uh, that the church was trying to navigate, and so uh, we spent a good bit of time and energy trying to work through where God wanted us to be on that, and that sometimes you feel like a fish swimming up up the stream. Uh, but um, I believe God honored that. Uh, and then uh, the other other area, which again, within a ministry context, uh, was as we were transitioning from being a church with small groups to become a church of small groups. And, and that was quite a, a psychological uh, change for people because it, it's one thing to be used to a traditional ministry where, well, I'm going to be in a small group and I'll be there for 30 something years, and I'm, but no one else can get in this group. And, and so there's nothing organic. There's nothing that people can, you can't, there's no way to assimilate new people. And so uh, Lloyd and I, and this was pretty much during our time of overlap there, uh, this was really on our hearts to uh, help this church to become a church that would be a church of small groups. And as Bob, he used the term simple, we really were trying to move more toward a simple church model where we focused on just a few big things as opposed to trying to balance um, uh, uh, bowls in the air of just multiple ministries. Sometimes we were successful, sometimes not as much as we had hoped to be, uh, but uh, God is good through it all. And, and, uh, and uh, I feel uh, that there was some progress made then. That's great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Aaron, do you want to share anything about your time or um, should we move on yeah. to our next part? Well, I'll just be real quick, you know, because okay. the, the, um, the month I came on staff as an associate, you know, for that year and a half uh, was the month of the Oberfell decision, the Supreme court legalizing same sex marriage. So kind of that coinciding with that start that just culturally has been a pretty dominant uh, topic, you know, of um, with um, LGBTQ and, and now gender, how that's kind of come to the forefront a lot. And, and then you had the Me Too movement uh, and then, you know, the hashtag church too, and a lot of things just getting exposed and brought to the surface and trying to have to navigate through that, um, you know, and, and nothing that was specific to Grace Church, but culture-wide within evangelicalism of having to kind of reckon with that and, and, and speak to it. Um, you know, has, I think, probably been a, a challenge. And, and really what we say often here is that we at Grace are not trying to defeat the world, and yet we don't want to look like the world, uh, but we want to reach the world. And and how it's almost easier to get a posture of we have to win, we have to beat, you know, this is a culture war and we got to be the winners, or to just assimilate and then you look no different from, you know, the world around you, those are almost the easier paths. The hard path is to be in and not of to, to try and reach. And so just trying to find that line. And then I would just echo something that um, Pastor Baki said that I think we're in a season similar at Grace with me being in my young 30s. The majority of our growth has been families with young children. 
And, uh, you know, I say half jokingly when somebody shows up with, with gray hair and a Bible in their hand, I'm like catering to them of like, what can I do to get you to stay? You know, we, we just, we, we need, we need some more, some wisdom. Um, but the, uh, the reality of now all these families together thinking about their children in public schools versus private school versus homeschool and what are they being taught and what do we, you know, to, to not get kind of embittered against the world around you of just where we are in the Northeast, which is, you know, pretty socially liberal. And, and yet, again, see that as an opportunity and not as a challenge just to kind of uh, just lament about and, and, you know, stay faithful to the scripture be build up the body of Christ, be outward minded. That's kind of hitting on those same themes and points. So very encouraging to hear, uh, similar, um, I don't even want to call them adjustments to, you know, major cultural shifts throughout the years. It's really just, it seems like the, my overall takeaway of hearing all that is to, um, stick to the scriptures and to stick to the call of Christ and as, as the church is called to serve their community and evangelize their community. And, uh, it's really cool to hear each way that Mm -hmm. that impacted you in your senior pastorate here at at Grace. And, um, that's, that's a very big encouragement to us being here at Grace Church today. Mm -hmm. So then now moving forward to our last part, um, uh, encouraging and equipping the, the uh, current church from your points of experience. Uh, we have like, we have a, a couple of questions here, but for the sake of time, I'm going to pick uh, a few. I'll put, I'll put two of them together. Um, what was uh, a key driver for you in persevering in the faith in general uh, and persevering in ministry? So what was a key driver to help you get through difficult times? And what is one thing you would say to encourage the people of Grace Church today? Pastor Rob, would you like to start on that question? Sure, sure. Yeah, the key driver for me is kind of threefold, and and one was prayer. Um, just without prayer, I would have uh, many times gone under. Um, and then uh, just really learning, and it seems like for me, I learned in new ways how to um, allow the Holy Spirit to guide me and to comfort me and to uh, lead in situations. And then thirdly was to have friends that uh, would speak truth into my life, but encouragement as well when I needed it and they would know when I needed it. And I had several of those as well. And so between those three things, prayer, uh, the Holy Spirit, and then you know really solid friends, um, that, that's what kept me going and keeps me going you know, now mm-hmm. uh, and persevering through things. And if I had one thing to say to the congregation, it would be this. Uh, It's kind of a twofold thing, but it is just continue to plant your affection solely on the Lord. I mean, solely on the Lord and love one another. That sounds so cliche-ish, but it's not. Uh, Because I, I would just say, no matter what, never cause division within your church. Always love one another no matter how frustrated you may be, no matter how much you may disagree with something, no matter how much you may misunderstand, love one another. Mm. And after that, really everything works itself out. Awesome. It reminds me of your final sermon, something mm. something similar to that. I was I had the pleasure of being here for that. So appreciate that, uh, those words. Um, Pastor Baki, uh, yeah. what helped you persevere? And do you have any... Uh, words to encourage Grace Church today? Uh, I don't think there's much besides what Rob just said that I would I would add. I'm, my in ministry, my uh, you know one of my favorite passages is is Ezekiel before the the dry bones, and there are two things that Ezekiel was commanded to do. And that is first, just tell them what I told you to tell them. Um, and so speak, you know, prophesy to them just exactly what I tell you to say, but then also then prophesy to the wind, you know, so preach what I tell you to say and command the wind, the Holy Spirit to come and depend on him solely. Uh, I would add to that, that the reason why Ezekiel wanted to speak uh, 
the, the words of God, but also uh, to the spirit to come, was that he had a vision of the valley transformed. And that goes back to Lloyd's point just a few minutes ago with regard to the Northeast. I mean, since I left um, Grace Church, I've been in more than 300 various local churches around, around America. And there are many, many things, as, as we have said before, that, you know, the humankind is humankind no matter where you go. But there are challenges in the Northeast that are, are, are unique to it. Um, there, there, are, there is a hardness and a, and a difficulty there. And if you get farther up north, uh, toward the Boston area, up into, into Maine and so on, there's a, there's a different hardness altogether uh, up there. And I've been to many of those places many times. Um, but the vision of seeing it transformed, um, that has kept me going. Uh, the, the, the greater vision, not, not getting tunnel visioned into my own soul or narcissistic, uh, but the greater vision of, that has maintained Lloyd's commitment to the region for so long. And that is just think, just imagine, just dream, if you would, if God were to pour out his favor upon the Northeast and what effect it would have over the nations of the earth. It, it would reverberate to the very corners of the world and it would do so within 36 hours. Hmm. It, would be, it would be known throughout the world. So never forget that dream of just how important. When, when I first came to, to Grace Church, I was, off, I was asked to, to, to um, uh, candidate at other churches in, that were larger, that were in different parts of the world, that, uh, different parts of the country that were easier, but I didn't. I, I wanted to go to the most strategic place I could find. Um, I wanted to go to where, where decision makers were, were found and where influence was found. And I wanted to get as close to it as possible. And God answered my prayer at, at Grace Church. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And the only other thing I would add uh, to Rob, uh, Rob's comments, and they're, they're as accurate as they can be. Uh, my, the, my theme throughout my ministry life is history is transformed among friends. History is transformed among friends. Wherever you see movements of God, wherever you see, and that, that includes, you know, your household, your neighborhood, mm -hmm. uh, the history of your local church, or the history of a city. Uh, it's a group of friends who bind themselves to each other, who love each other deeply, who will not give up on each other, who will, who will defend each other, who will encourage each other when the other is down, and constantly cast that greater vision and pray with you toward that vision. History is transformed among friends. So if you want to transform Ridgewood and, and the greater area, Bergen County and beyond, and, and have it reverberate in the metropolitan area, uh, bind yourself to each other, uh, Grace Church, hmm. and don't let, it, you know, don't let each other go. Um, and then wrestle with God until he blesses you, like Jacob. Hmm. Uh, and so that would be my encouragement. That's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Lloyd, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> that was very powerful. That kind of ditto. Um, but I think, you know, I, I guess over the years, I think I've, I guess I, what's this, this, this is my 40th year in pastoral ministry. And wow. I, man, I'm, I'm, I must be pretty old. Um, <laughs> This is 42 for me, so. There we right. go. It's got your beat. All right. <laughs> so, um, but um, I, I, I haven't been consistent all the time. I think the one thing more than anything else that has kept me going has been my, my just personal time with the Lord. I, I've really made that a priority um, over the years. I think, um, see, one, one of the dangers in ministry, I think, is, um, you, you view scripture in the way that how do I get this message to the people? And uh, somebody, I heard once somebody when I was in seminary, actually, a guy said, when, 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 you're, when you're teaching and preaching, rather than view yourself as a pipe where you're going to get this information to this destination, view yourself more as a root 
where you're, as you are transferring that to where you want it to go, it's changing you. So, and that's just been an image that's been very helpful for me. And I think that's, so I, my time with the Lord is, is totally separate from my teaching and preaching preparation. I just, I, I just said, Lord, I don't, I want you to speak to me, not to, not to the people I'm, I'm leading. So that's, that's been um, key for me. And over the last, I wish I'd realized this sooner, but probably the last seven, eight years, I, I heard uh, somebody talk about, uh, you know, the passage in Acts chapter six, where the disciples say, yeah, you guys got to, we got to feed those ladies, but um, we're going to give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And I heard someone say one time, you know, a lot of pastors have a pastoral limp when it comes to that. In other words, their the ministry of the word leg is longer than the prayer leg. So they limp. And I heard that and I thought, oh man, do I got the limp? I, I, I just, so what I've done probably over the last six, seven years, I've lengthened the prayer leg. So I don't limp as much. Um, but, you know, I think you guys, Bob uh, and Rob, you guys know that, you know, it takes a lot of time to put into scripture, to preparation and to preaching. And I'm thinking as, as important as that is, I need to, to spend more time praying. So I've been doing that over the, over the last probably seven, eight years. And uh, it, it, it's, um, it's really, uh, I think, kept me going. And, uh, and Rob, you mentioned something too, which was also very important for me at Grace. I had uh, probably about uh, there were, uh, four guys we used to meet together weekly and pray for each other. And um, that, was, that was very uh, significant. For me, because oftentimes you say, hey, you can't have close friends in your church. You got to have friends. I said, but these guys were close friends who really um, it was it was one of the keys to persevering, I think, uh, while I was there and and uh, and still. So. Thank you so much, Aaron. Is there anything that you want to add before I close up our panel time? No, uh, nope. Just that I'm taking good notes and I hope yeah. everybody listening is, too. This is uh, this is gold. I really appreciate it. You know, I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't offer my uh, encouragement to the oh. Grace Church. Yes, go ahead. So, um, I, I think um, I, I've just been so impressed with the leadership. Quite honestly, at Grace Church, <laughs> I know. I know a bunch of them. Not all of them. They're new new ones, new guys in leadership. But I've just been so impressed with the leadership of the church. I, I got to admit, again, I'm biased. I think Aaron's done a great <laughs> job. But um, I would just encourage the church to, to really submit to your leadership, because it just seems I've, it just seems in my last experience, fewer and fewer people want to submit to any leadership. And I and I and I just think, oh, man, um, so that's what would be my encouragement to, to grace, make sure you you keep those putting godly men and people in those positions, and then uh, just trust them that they're they're uh, they're following the Lord and, and submit to that leadership. So, Aaron didn't help me to say that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you you hit it perfectly, just like I wrote it. Appreciate that. No. Well, what else did you write here, Aaron? I, I, can't, I can't read your writing here. <laughs> well, uh, we want to thank. Pastor Bob Baki, Pastor Lloyd Syvertson, Pastor Rob Miner, Pastor Aaron Syvertson for joining us on the panel discussion today. It's really amazing to hear and see uh, the senior pastors um, from over the years, uh, and also really encouraging to hear that um, you know simple obedience or your simple obedience to uh, preaching the word, to prayer, to following where you felt. God, uh, the Holy Spirit leading you and leading our church. Um, it's really amazing to hear that that is what drove your ministry. Uh, we thank you so much for your service because I really think it's evident that where we are today and is because of your faithful ministry. Um, you know, of, of course, from God's faithfulness, God's work of the Holy Spirit and his mercy on our church. But thank you also for all that you did as senior pastor. Uh, in our church. And thank you so much for 
being here with us today. It was really amazingly encouraging to hear from all of you. Thank well, thanks, you so Steve and Aaron. Yeah. Good yeah. to see you, Lloyd and Rob. Yeah. Uh, you too. Good to see you guys as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Grace Extended Podcast. Stay tuned next week for part three of our History of Grace Church series, where we talk to current missionaries of, of Grace Church who also grew up at Grace Church. Grace Extended is a podcast production of Grace Church in Ridgewood, New Jersey. To find out more about Grace Church, go to gracechurchnj.net. We'll be back next time, and we look forward to seeing you then.